Hello, I am Dave Entz of 188 Community Church, and you are listening to the inaugural podcast of Listening to Life Together. Well, thanks for tuning into this new project. I'm glad you've decided to listen. In my growing up years, the people and friends that I had around me were all pretty much like me, especially when I was in a private Christian school for my high school years. And all of our stories were pretty much the same. And sure, there were variations on the details, but the basic plot was the same. So I grew up with this this formed understanding that everybody had the same sort of life experience and were all mostly heading in the same kind of direction as me. You go to church, you go to school, you find a career, you get a job, you get married, you go to a different church, you get a house, you have kids, you go to a third church, you have great vacations, and, and so on. And then, and then my friend and I planted this church community in downtown Winnipeg called 188. 188 is a church that has within its makeup many people who live at the margins of society. These are people who are experiencing homelessness, struggling with addictions, caught in systemic poverty, coming out of the correction system, and so on. These are people who are at a variety of places in their journey. Some are overcoming obstacles, some feel pretty stuck, some are in a really hard place, some want help, some don't. Some are earnestly seeking after God, and some not so much. So it's a unique and beautifully diverse church community that I think, I think has a, has a lot of beauty in it. And, and part of the beauty is that there are so many different stories. We believe that God's love is for all people, regardless of the value that we as a society place on them. And I, I say that because generally, people at the margins are pretty easy to discount and even ignore. And yet... As we get to know each other, we realize that each person is, is someone of value, is someone made in the image of God, and is someone that has a story that is worth hearing. And that's how this, this podcast idea emerged for us. Where do we hear stories of people who could easily go through life without ever being noticed? In today's episode, for instance, it's easy to drive by a person at a stoplight, holding a sign, asking for money or food, but... But what is life like on the other side of the sign? It's easy to cast judgment on what that person should or shouldn't be doing. And, and certainly, while we don't want to pretend that we have solutions to the complex issues of homelessness and addictions and so on, we, we believe that gaining better understanding of each other can help bring us together. And in doing that, perhaps we can more effectively work towards solutions. And one way to understand each other better is to hear our stories. I know that for myself... Hearing others' stories has helped reform my understanding of what a successful life looks like or, or what a life with God is actually really about. And so this is about listening to life together, recognizing that everyone has a story to tell. In today's show, we're going to hear from Andrew. And as Andrew tells his story, I, I, I hope that you're blessed as you listen. I believe you'll gain new insight into what life at the margins can look like and, and even, perhaps, you'll discover something about your own life as well. So God bless you as you listen to Andrew's story. So I have the privilege of sitting here uh, with my friend Andrew, and uh, I've been trying to think, Andrew, how long how long have you been part of 188? Like you've been coming and going um, kind of thing. Do you know? Well, I've, I've had some breaks, you know, but it's been several years. It has been. Since I've been here. Um, I always used to walk by and see people uh, outside, and 
I never really knew what it was, you know, so. Yeah. Other than that, it's like right in the heart of our community and, you know. Yeah. But I was always kind of curious about it. And then one day, I can't remember which friend, but I'm sure it was a friend kind of said, yeah, go check it out. You know, they got coffee. It's a good place to hang out. So. Yeah. I did. I poked my head in and I knew that first day that, you know, you guys were very intelligent people and I knew like wow. right off the bat I knew like these were people that I could talk to right cool. so cool yeah I'm glad I stopped in and well I'm I'm happy to to call you a friend and so that's a that's a good well, thing thank you very much that's a good thing <laughs> um so we've been we've been talking a little while about doing something like this this podcast recording people's stories and when we first talked about it you were you were one of the first people to respond to say I'd be interested in this, and this is something good. What, like, why? What, what? Well, first, I'd, they say everybody's listening to podcasts now, and it's even, like, it's gaining some ground on television and all that. So right. just in that, I think it's cool. Um, also, just the fact that for the homeless community, I don't really see anything out there online. You know, there's for, for us to go out and have a voice, you know, that's actually honest about who you are and what your situation is. Right. You can go online and, you know, you can have a, a Twitter account and all that, but, and you can, you can be honest and tell people or get out there on Facebook and tell people that, you know, you're homeless and struggling, but the podcast is a good idea because it's going to bring a lot of people in, into, uh, conversing together. Right. So yeah, hopefully. And then, uh, yeah, just mainly that we don't really have the voice out there that, you know, a platform where we can just speak. Everybody needs to tell their story and get it out there. I think we tend to bottle a lot of stuff up inside of us so yeah yeah it's good to kind of break out of your comfort zone too so yeah (laughs) i am nervous to be here but i am very excited uh i am too i am too and this is uh and that's exactly it right to give opportunity for people to tell their story recognizing that every story or every person has a story that's that's significant yeah it's significant within our relationships i think it's significant within our society and particularly in the areas of homelessness and poverty and addictions and all those kinds of things. I think we need to know each other's stories more. Uh, and also, uh, I mean, from our perspective, it's significant because it's you're a person made in the image of God and we believe that yep. you have a story that's, that matters to God and so it matters to us. So that's great. I'm, I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad you're jumping on that. Yeah, so. and I, you know, I hope you get a lot of support doing it too and I hope it kind of picks up and takes off. And, yeah, yeah, you know, well, we'll see. we'll see. We'll see what happens. Interesting. We know uh, you guys are very accepting and you understand like what our situations are. But uh, yeah, getting it out there just to people who wouldn't normally have access to hearing our voice or would shy away from, you know, even approaching a homeless person. So, right. Yeah, because we got the stigma. About it, sure. So. Yeah. I do, we don't even want to look at, you know, at the street corner when someone has a sign, don't even want to look at the person. Yeah. Right. We were talking or, the other day about just how quick people are to judge, how within a split second we've made a decision about someone right Right, so I said what are we all just you know slaves to the fashion industry where that's all we could see right there's a lot about me that's kind of counterculture right so I don't want to say anything too kind of risque on your your show but (laughs) well so far nobody's listening so 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 I think you can almost say whatever you want yeah okay yeah but yeah so I I I guess titles are troublesome to me yeah so we talk about the homeless right and I, I don't, I don't like that title because you're a person, yeah, and you're experiencing homelessness, yeah. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that you're that you're a person and you have a story. I don't like the labels either. Um, no, I've never felt like a marginalized person. Okay, 
you know, until now, like during the, the pandemic, I've gained more empathy for people who have that every day in their lives where oh, people are kind of looking down on themselves, you know, where I've struggled with self-esteem issues, but never really experienced like people actually looking down on you and you can tell, right? Well, why don't we, why don't we jump backwards and, and use that as kind of a, yeah, go back and why don't you tell us a bit your, your story? Okay. I was born in New Brunswick in the late 70s. Had a good upbringing, you know. I really had nothing to complain about growing up. Family had a nice brand new house in St. Vital. Dad had a good job. I was in, I played hockey, did well in school. And I had promises of you can stay at home after high school as long as you're going to college and mm. all that stuff. So I relied on that. You know, that was always in the back of my mind where... It's hard right after you turn 18, you don't really know what to do. So my goal was to go into college, right? So some families fall apart, right? And mine did. That promise of going back to college is one that kind of things that just kind of had to make changes. I had to start my life. I had to start working, you know, and okay. it's a typical story. Nothing too different about that, but you had to, you had to change your, had to change yeah. your pathway or your trajectory. I had to a change bit. and. So I just started working. I had to get an apartment. I've been living on my own since I was uh, 18. I think it's something that affects far too many families nowadays is it's the divorce issue, right? It's okay. the, that one really affected me. It's, it was heartbreaking and not knowing, you know. Uh, I just started working, you know. Yeah. Got some good jobs and tried to stay positive. Never really felt, never really found my calling, you know, never really. So what kind of jobs would you work at? I've had a job as a restaurant manager. I've had a job working for Club Regent. I've had jobs doing sales. Um, and then I got into construction, which I really loved. I think uh, the thing that affected me most was um, the loneliness of living on my own for so many years. Oh, okay. The solitude, which I thought I liked. I was always an introverted person, and I accepted that, so... I thought that living on my own was kind of something that I, I didn't mind, right? You have your computer, you have your TV, you have all the, all the distractions, all the things that we, we do to keep distracted from exploring ourselves and sure. finding yeah. out who we really are and oh what, boy. We, yeah. what we need, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I never got into drugs or anything. Alcohol was, it continues to be a bit of a, a letdown in my life. Okay. You know, constantly, it's a, it is a constant struggle. We've had conversations about that here at 188. Yeah, you know, yeah for sure. Sometimes you just find yourself and you, you tell yourself, oh, I don't want to I don't want to drink today. And then all of a sudden you're looking down at your feet and you're walking down the sidewalk, you know, towards the liquor store. And you're like, why, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. You know, like, you don't even realize, you know, that you're actually you're on your way again. You know, I came up with a, a plan where it's like, just watch where your feet are taking you. If your mind can't do it and your willpower can't do it then just watch where your feet are taking you, right? Maybe it's the feet that are to blame, you know? Like, <laughs> so. so can you, and, and this is, you can choose to answer this, you can choose to not to. Yeah. Can you point back to something and say, you know, like, or was alcohol a part of your family? Was that always um, part of something? Not up? with my dad and my mom, they didn't. But before that, they say, there's an old saying that it skips a generation. Okay. And it's, I guess it did, because my grandfather drank heavily, and he was abusive to my aunts and uncles, supposedly growing up. My mother turned into, like, a very withdrawn person, so she wasn't very, she wasn't outgoing with her emotions, and she just bottled everything up. That was hard to get 
kind of any you know guidance from the parents always so right yeah you had to make a lot of decisions and stuff on your own and big major decisions and when you when you think of your story can you think back are there significant people um some sometimes we use the language when we use when we talk about storytelling and and that kind of thing here we use language of guides yeah and, and often parents are supposed to be that right mm-hmm. and now and then if that's fallen apart and that's not you know sometimes it's just not true for everybody that parents are that but are there guides that you've had along the way that you can um think of or if i wasn't getting it from my parents back in school i was getting it from some really good teachers okay i had some excellent teachers great english teachers you know but i wasn't ever really i never got out into the community i wasn't after i turned an adult you know you just, just kind of you go, you go to work, you come home, and, yeah. you know, you don't really go out. And, you know, I wasn't part of a church. I wasn't active in the community. So mm. I didn't really have any, you know, guides or strong role models, I guess, you know. Yeah. When I was growing up in New Brunswick, my family was religious. You know, they, we had to go to Sunday school. I think when my parents moved out west to Winnipeg, they just decided that we didn't need to go to church anymore. Okay. Um, I think maybe it was something that their parents and stuff had pushed on them. For years, probably a good 15 years, I never went to church. I I kind of shunned religion, you know, that you don't need that. And actually, it was even when I first started coming to 188, I was a little on the fence, you know. Yeah. I was always kind of, there's so many questions, you know, and, and I was, I grew up with some sarcastic people, you know, growing up. And I had a friend and he, he just... He convinced me that he, there was no way he could wrap his head around the idea of the Immaculate Conception. Okay, right? yeah. That was the issue for yeah. him, right? That there's no way, you know, it's not possible, right? Yeah, so yeah. the virgin birth was the one that really... Isn't that interesting? Yeah. yeah. So he shunned the whole religion because of it, right? Which is probably short-sighted from his point of view, but I always knew the value of religion. I just didn't use it, right? You know, I know what its value is and how powerful it is for people, right? I, I, I want to come back to that, mm-hmm. but let's, let's, let's continue on the story mm-hmm. a little bit. So you've been working, and you're in Winnipeg at this time, I guess. Yeah. Like your, your family moved to Winnipeg? Family moved to Winnipeg, and uh, so Dad had the choice because uh, the plant that he worked at, the manufacturing plant, shut down, and he had the choice of either Winnipeg or Montreal. With just the one income, Winnipeg was a little more cost-effective. Right. Okay. Cost of living's a little bit better than Montreal. So even though me and my two sisters were in French school, they put us in Winnipeg, and we stayed in French. So I graduated with French immersion, and then never really used it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> except for the one job, you know, at the casino, which was, was a pretty hard job to get. Nice. It was three interviews, and the, the last interview was at uh, Collège uh, St. Boniface. Okay, yeah. And I walked in there for the third interview, and I opened the door, and it's a, a big round table, and there's like six big wooden chairs on the other side, and it's all middle-aged, professional-looking women who want me to go in there and, and have a conversation with them in French. And that's probably <laughs> one of the most nervous times I've ever had in my life. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. But I did well enough and I got the job. Yeah. So, so you're in Winnipeg. You're in Winnipeg. Work- yeah. Working. Like I said, I think it was just living on your own for so long. Okay. It's year after year after year. And I had partners. I had girlfriends, you know, up until my mid twenties. 
And then just kind of decided that you know, I just want to be a bachelor for a while. Depression took hold, right, from okay. the solitude, right? You don't really realize it at first, but then uh, after a while it, it becomes a real issue where you feel like you can't get anything done. I talked to one person once and I said, well, I'm depressed, you know, I need help. And he, all he said was, well, who isn't, right? Mm. I said, well, that's, that's a good point, I guess, right? Yeah. But this is debilitating stuff where it's like yeah. you can't... Depression and social anxiety, you can't get anything done. You don't want to pick up a, a telephone to make a phone call or you need, you know, you need something. You know, you don't want to ask for help or anything. So right. the embarrassment right. about being depressed is... It's probably the worst thing, you know. You don't want to do anything, so you just feel too embarrassed to ask for help. So. And there's been a lot of, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, there's mm-hmm. been a lot of, um, there's been a lot of conversation on on that, right? And and yeah. a real concerted effort to uh, to make it more normal to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so so when you, I mean, so you're if you're a child of the '70s, which which I am too, right? It certainly wasn't normal to talk about. In fact, it was a weakness, right? It was something's wrong with you Mm -hmm. and just, you know, suck it up and, and and stop. Yeah. Yeah, Just stop it. Just stop being depressed. Yeah. And yet, as you said, right, it's, it's when you have these extended periods of isolation, which makes me think about COVID, the, the the reality where we are now and, and how it slowly starts to take, take hold of you and becomes debilitating. Mm -hmm. Would you equate that, that debilitating, sort of mental unhealth or depression as part of your your falling or the trajectory into into I homelessness the depression and the, the solitude kind of led me into more drinking actually okay which is that's the vicious circle right so one affects the other just slowly over the years just gradually started drinking a little bit more you know like I maintained jobs too while doing it and but it was, it got pretty bad. At first it was just like, you'd buy a six pack after work, go home and relax. Okay. But after a while it became two six packs. Right. So, so is, is it just the, the, not the culmination, is it the accumulation of this? Like it just keeps, similarly to being alone in your apartment for a long time, mm-hmm. the accumulation of the ice, of, of isolation eventually just leads into this really I don't it's know, really dark like, place. Yeah, it's, it's very alone place. Very alone and like and, and then it just accumulates similarly with you throw alcohol into the mix. Yeah. And you find yourself in this place where you never that wasn't your plan, no, right? Obviously. It wasn't. That's what, not what you're planning. It absolutely was not the plan, right? Growing up and and I can't I can't really pinpoint it exactly because I had all the opportunities growing up. So I lived in a, you know, your average middle middle class suburban home, right? Yeah, the, the intention wasn't to become homeless at all. Like, right. you know, I had plans to make something, have a career. I knew I was probably never going to be a rich person, you know, like, or wealthy, you know. Yeah. My dad was a very hardworking man, and everyone in the family is, so. Yeah. So how, do you, how does your family feel? Yeah, feel? so how does family feel? I didn't tell them for the first probably two years that I was, I was homeless, you know. I kind of, we only talk every every few months so okay it's not too hard to brush it off like yeah i'm doing fine you know like everything's good right but i was homeless i was really like what was your family's response then when you finally did tell them a few months after they discovered one of my sisters went to my mother and said you got to help andrew right he's really struggling and 
her response was just, well, he's going to have to figure it out on his own, mm. right? So if that was, you know, that was the first reaction from them, then that was pretty upsetting, you know? I didn't want help. I hadn't asked for help, but just to know that I wasn't going to get any, mm. so that was tough. Yeah. She's right, right? You know, you got to have to figure it out on your own. No one's going to do it for you, but you have to want to change. That's the thing, right? So we're creatures of habit, right? So... The living on my own and the, the solitude and the little bit of drinking to kind of numb the pain, that became, you know, the routine, right? So mm. that was the normal, right? That was just the normal yeah. routine of things. And you didn't realize that it's not productive. It's not, it's not good for your health. It's not good for society. You know, it's, you're not a productive, very productive member. Yeah. After that, I just, I stopped even talking about it even more with my family except for my little sister she's been like the only one who i can open up to so okay i'm okay. i'm glad to have her right? nice she is like my my confidant and yeah yeah so she knows more about it and all the the ups and downs and the, the really messed up stuff i've seen she knows it all so yeah so I've, I've even bumped into you yeah. on a, on a corner, yeah. whether flagging or carding or whatever the, they whatever call it panhandling, panhandling. <laughs> yeah. Whatever the phrase the street is. lingo is. Yeah. Carding or flagging. Okay. Yeah. So you've got a, you've got a sign, you're at a stoplight, anything yep. helps or whatever. Yeah, tell, was... tell me about, tell me about what's associated with, with that. It's nothing nobody ever wants to do. Okay. Like it's. I was depressed and down and feeling, feeling like dirt, right? But to go out and do that was a whole new level of like you got to throw your ego right out the window, you okay. know, to like stand out there and put your hand or your hat or a cup out there and have to ask someone else. And me, I'm not the type of person who likes to ask for help. That's one of the biggest problems in my life. Is you know. Just a simple little, like I said, you know, social anxiety. You can't even pick up the phone. To, right. So yeah. to go out and stand on a busy street, you know, and ask for, for help, that's, I didn't want to do it. I just for years, I said, like, for a couple of years, like, I'd seen friends do it. And they tell me, like, oh, it's easy, you know, to go out and make a little bit of money for the day, you know. And I'm like, yeah, it's dishonest work. It's, I don't want to do it. I don't want to, you know, but... Yeah. One day I tried it, you know, I sucked it up and just went out there and it's one of the most mentally exhausting things you'll ever go through. Like Interesting. Once in a while you'll get a, hey, get a job, you bum, you know. Yeah. You get that, but it's, you don't get it a lot, but well, you're, it's your own mind that tells you you're, uh, you know, yeah. to go out there you have to try to be positive. You have to, because it's, otherwise your mind's going to play some really weird tricks on you. I was going to ask you, what's the range of responses that you've gotten? Oh, so you got get a job, you bum, yeah. to... When they say get a job, I usually just think to myself, hey, why don't you get a better job? <laughs> like, <laughs> or you should just ask them for a job. Yeah, give me do, a you, job. do you have one? I, yeah, I would take it. I love one. Yeah. <laughs> I've never gotten a job offer doing it. Okay. <laughs> um, I never got more than $20 from someone. Okay. And I don't, I never did it every day. It was more like a once a month type of thing yeah. for, the, for a little while. I had a plan. I was going to go back to work and I needed some money for work boots. And I was about $30 short one day for, for work boots. So I put that on my sign. It says short 30 bucks for work boots. So this couple drove off and then I took a break across the street and 
she came back and had lunch for me and 30 bucks and oh wow that's all i needed and i left for the day you know i don't know you hear the stories of like in new york city how people fake it and they go out and they make a thousand dollars doing it right yeah it's not like that you know okay it's like you don't want to stand out there for for eight hours a day, you know, because it's just mentally exhausting. Yeah, yeah. Physically, it's not that hard to walk back and forth, but it's the mental exhaustion, right? So you only I usually just go out for a couple hours and okay, make a little bit. Okay. But you get a lot of a lot more positive people and a lot more up uplifting people than you do the negative. Okay. Yeah. We've um, lately we've been talking about. And you and I have, but also generally here at 188, we've been talking about how within COVID, there's been an extra level of tension on the streets down here. And that's manifest itself in physicality, like in violence, physical violence. Yeah, you noticed it um, right after COVID first hit, you know, and and the streets and the sidewalks downtown were all empty, except for you'll see the odd people, right, walking by you, and it's you could feel it right away, the tension in the yeah. air where it's, and the suspicion where it's like, why are you out here? Yeah. I'm like, well, why are you out here, you know? And without pretending that we have the answers for that, what, what would you, what do you think's going on? Um, people are just afraid of each other in general. I think that's, and it became more apparent when there's less people on the streets. Yeah. So, and then with all the, all the resources shutting down and and it continues to be tough you can only get clothes once a month and right when i went out panhandling this summer it wasn't it was just to get clothes and like your daily you get a little bit of food your meals and i didn't know anywhere to do laundry so you go down to the thrift shop and you buy an outfit every few days and right you know right your clothes become disposable in a sense yeah so and then the because of covid you know it's all the little things that you have to get, all the little, the, the masks you have to buy, because there was nowhere downtown to get any free personal protective equipment in the beginning, right? Right. It's getting better now. So I had to buy masks and, you know, just your typical hygiene stuff. You know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the shelters were basically closed, so I camped out for, like, a month. Okay. Yeah. It was tough. Yeah. It's nothing uh, you want to do. So I want to jump back to this, this faith or religion question. So within your journey, and particularly where you are now, where does, where, where does, that, where does it fit? Where does faith, where does this fit? Is there, is there space for it? There is space for it, yeah. Um, it's becoming, like, increasingly important, you know. I think it was only very recently in the last couple of years where I actually told myself, like, I believe in God. I mean, unquestionably, mm. right? Mm. That there is something out there bigger than me. Yeah. I struggled with religion, like I said, you know, in the beginning. But, and some people, like, there's, they say, well, people in trouble tend to be more religious, right? You know, if you right. go to jail, everyone starts reading the Bible. And, well, maybe there's a reason for that, right? <laughs> so there's so much wisdom and knowledge in the Bible that it's just, it's so relevant. And people are still trying to, on their own, they try to come up with, the reasons, you know, and all you have to do is like, it's out there. It was written 2000 years ago, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All the answers are out there, you know? Yeah. Can I share a story? Yeah. Something about, about you that always makes me laugh. For sure. Is that, so we, we do a Tuesday Bible study here at 188. And usually what I do is I print out the scripture on a piece of paper. I know where you're going with this. (laughs) 
I print the scripture out on a piece of paper, hand it out, because it's a fairly come and go. There's lots of discussion yeah. often. Sometimes there isn't, but, and uh, there's always a lunch, so on and so forth. Sometimes you can stay, sometimes you got to run. Yeah, exactly, right. So we read through the scripture and we talk about it and I lead that conversation. And then you would always take the piece of paper and fold it up and put it in your pack, your backpack or your pocket or your jacket. Yep. And then one time I was cleaning up <laughs> and you said, can I have one? I said, oh yeah, sure. You go, and then you said, yeah, I keep them so that if I'm ever found dead on the street, someone <laughs> will go through my stuff and say, oh, he must have been a good person. Exactly. Because <laughs> you've got this stack of Bible yeah. verses in, your, in well, your backpack. I'm not using it just to like, you know, as a, hey, like a, it's, I actually, you know, the last one I, I kept of yours, I kept it in my, my bag for over a month and I looked at it like, almost every day for, for a couple of weeks. Oh, and I read it every day. It was the Psalm 130 about being patient. Oh yeah. Okay. So like I'm in the middle of a global pandemic. You have no choice but to be patient. Right. So right. what does God have to say about patience? Right. So right. Yeah. I read it and it was, it's just, it made me smile and made me happy to see it every day. You know? Yeah. It was a really, it's a really good Psalm. That's good. Yeah. How important is it? You, you, you talk, Pretty freely, I think uh, it's good insight to, to say, you know, that in your isolation, there was kind of a spiral or whatever language you want to mm-hmm. use that led you into some places that you didn't necessarily even see yourself going to, but all of a sudden you were there. Um, and part of that was just being alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we really push community here yeah, a lot. Is definitely. It, is it significant or where, where does it find itself in your life, in your it journey? It is significant. I like it because, I like when you eat because it's, it's... It's a bit of a smaller building than yeah. the others, right? So the smaller groups, it's easier to hear each other speak, you know, and, and you do the Bible study, which nobody around here does. We get preached to at other places. We listen to sermons and stuff, but here you actually listen, right? So I like the Bible study here. I think that's, that's cool. something that people don't get a lot. So you get a chance to hear stuff from other community members where you normally wouldn't hear any insights or wisdom coming from them, right? Because when we're out on the street together, you're not supposed to, you know, have opinions or beliefs, independent thoughts, you know? Right, right. So we're, we're, one of the things this isn't going to be is that we're not going to pretend that we're going to solve a problem here today. This is about hearing and listening and seeking to understand. So one of the things you said was, as you journey, you have to really want to be well. You didn't really say it that way, but you have yeah. to really make a decision that this is something I'm going to... What What does that look like without pretending that you have the answer for it? Uh, what think, does that look like for you? Yeah, you have, to have, you have to have something in your life to be responsible for that's outside of yourself, right? So okay. if you don't have a family or if you don't have a pet or you don't have major bills to pay, then, you know, maybe it's... Maybe it's the community. You don't want to let your community down, right? So yeah. maybe if this is all you have, but wanting to change, yeah, you absolutely have to. I woke up this, especially this year, every morning I woke up, I was just thankful to be alive, right? Like, I had a pretty rough year this year, yeah. you know, because of COVID, right? But read a lot of books and just tried to stay positive. That was the main thing, right? So yeah. Yeah. But as thankful to wake up every morning, that's for sure. Yeah. You start to appreciate life a little bit more when you're when you're down and out. Life is fragile and 
for a lot of us, it's very dangerous too. So yeah, yeah, streets can be pretty scary. What's one thing, and maybe maybe that's it. But what's what's one thing that you would want to say? Like, I, this is what I want people to know. Whether it's about me or it's about people who are experiencing or fighting with homelessness and poverty and systemic kind of stuff. And they're like, what's one thing you'd like people to know? Yeah, I, I guess it would be to not paint all homeless people with the same brush, right? It's just not fair, right? So they just need to be treated like humans, right? Like there's, there's a lot of very intelligent people out there who if, if they just had an opportunity, they could they could be out of homelessness you know within a week mm-hmm. you know unfortunately you know it's it's not like that you do have to put effort in yourself to get out of homelessness right otherwise it's just it's not going to last well andrew i um i really appreciate you being willing to share your story and give some insight and uh and and just help to give give us a better sense of understanding i want to end with this one thought and we were just as we were switching something around in the recording here, we were talking mm-hmm. about it. Um, this idea that don't let your homelessness define you because when you kind of sink into that, mm-hmm. you've sort of let that become who you are. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of tricky, right? Because yeah. you, know, you want to be honest about what your, your surrounding your situation actually is. But yeah, that's one of the first things I told myself when I, when I walked up to my first homeless shelter, I said to myself, Andrew, don't, don't fall in the trap of starting to identify yourself as a homeless person, right? Because hmm. the more you think of something, the more likely it is to become something in your life meaningful, right? So I don't want to be a homeless person. So yeah. the less yeah. you think about it, the less it really becomes like who you actually are as a whole, right? But yeah. it's tricky. You have to... No, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, there's yeah. a bit of a, a, a juggling attention there, yeah. right? But I, I also appreciate how you said, and, and this was off, uh, like off the record or whatever, yeah. when we weren't recording. I appreciate how you said, uh, and I'll put my words to it, that we have to be careful. Society has to be careful how we treat people who are experiencing homelessness because we can become part of the problem of perpetuating it. Yes, oh, easily, yeah. Yeah, that's a... that's. That's really something for us to think about. Yeah. I met a lot of great people this year, you know, who helped me out, were very generous to me, and I'm very grateful to each and every one of them, and they're the ones that kept me going, you know? Yeah. Just their, the smiles, the, you know, everything. It's, but it, it's that one person who can come along and say something that'll just ruin your day, right? Right. And I think that's kind of the same for everybody, right? But yeah. homeless people, tend to have lower self-esteem so like those little jabs and the little put downs they they tend to do more harm than people realize so yeah appreciate that keep the nasty comments to yourselves please i love that we're gonna end on that thanks andrew it's been really good it's been really good chatting and uh well i mean you and i will keep chatting more but we'll see we'll see where this goes maybe when this when this podcast becomes a world phenomenon i hope it gets well, more well, interesting than well, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll have you back for for part two cool All very right. good thanks man thanks
Well, thanks so much for tuning into the first of hopefully many storytelling podcasts from 188 Community Church. I would love to interact with you over today's podcast or hear what you think of the podcast. You can email me at dave at 188.org. That's D-A-V-E at O-N-E-8-8 dot O-R-G. You can check out our website for more information on who we are as a church community and the kinds of things that are going on. And that website address is www.188.org. Again, O-N-E-8-8 dot O-R-G. And so again, thanks for tuning in. I'm Dave Entz from 188 Community Church, and we're wishing you God's grace and peace as you go into this week. We'll talk to you soon.